Hey, Nick, Nick, is it the second coming episode? Nick? Nick? Nick, are you still... Have you been taken? This isn't even funny, Nick. No, I'm here. I was just, uh, I was just, um, I was just getting this <sighs> bit of paper from under the desk. No, it's not the, the, not the second coming episode yet, but it's so close. I feel it. I feel it. So close. It's really close. I think. Exactly. There were so many signs. By the way. Yes, what? It's my birthday. Yeah, I just thought I'd mention that. Today? Well, not today, but when this goes out, it is. Listeners can send donations to joe at midfaithcrisis.org. <laughs> well, happy birthday. I haven't bought you a present, but I thought about it, and it's the thought that counts, so that's good. <laughs> well, right, should we get on with this? Yes, please do. Welcome, everyone, to episode 62 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page. I'm joined, as ever, by Joe Davis. Hello. Ha- still <laughs> Joe Davis and still Nick Page. Yeah, it, and it ever shall be. <laughs> oh. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm extremely well. Extremely yeah. well. Yeah, mm. that's that's all I have to say. No, I mean, oh, well, do, 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 yeah, well, yeah, you know, the normal rich tapestry of life. I've, I've got a holiday coming up, so, you know, I don't want sympathy, but it's been a bit of a bit of a trial. My poor mother, my poor mm. mother is not well, as we as we know. So, mm. yes, she is um, needing quite a lot of attention. Bless her at the twilight years of her life as, as a young 93 year old woman. Hmm. All right, I'll switch off my phone then, shall I? Oh, Lord. Honestly, <laughs> 62 podcasts in, you're still leaving your phone on. Oh, well, look, it's, it's a confusing time of day for me. Sorry, listeners. I'm sorry you have to hear Nick getting annoyed with me again. Thank anyway, you. anyway, enough. How are you, my dear friend? I'm, I'm all right, yeah, I'm OK. A bit annoyed about the rugby. Oh, that was annoying. Mm. Yeah. Extremely annoying, and it's an extremely annoying time in life to have Welsh friends. Yeah, and normally I don't watch it actually because I get too anxious these days about sporting events. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's funny, isn't it? Everybody says, "Oh, we want a really close match and everything, a really good sporting contest." No, we don't. I never, I never want that. <laughs> That's the last thing you want. That's absolutely the last thing I want. I want, I want, you know, my teams to. Th- to just go way out in front and beat everybody very easily so that I can relax. Because otherwise yes. I just get too tense. Exactly. Uh, but the curious thing was I was quite relaxed about the first half. I thought we were well in charge and then we all threw it away. Still enough about that. Yes. Um, <laughs> Let's move on to happy Films. Things. What films have you oh, seen? Oh, I've seen. So I saw Green Book the other day. Going to see Fighting with the Family tonight. But the two films that I saw last week that really upset me were Vice and... Um, and Boy Erased, particularly right. Boy Erased. Man, oh man, oh man. So this is the film about the um, conversion therapy program oh. for homosexuals. And, oh gosh, it just, yeah, yeah. It's it's just so depressing that that sort of thing goes on. And it's based on a true story. And, of course, in the real story, spoiler alert, you know, the person who runs the programme goes off and marries their husband <laughs> in the end and lives in another state. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. 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 Which is fairly predictable, I suppose. Yeah. But, yeah. oh, gosh. It is just... I, it, I mean, it is a brilliant film, don't get me wrong. And because it is such a good film, it's well worth uh, going to see. 
but you're you're not gonna you're not gonna fall in love with the church afterwards. I don't think. Hmm. Anyway, let's think about nicer things, shall we? Yes. Um, shall we? Shall we talk about there's one space left on the bird watching trip, June the seventh to eighth? Yes. Uh, yeah, still. Yeah, that last place isn't going. So if you've been wondering whether to come or not, there is only one space left. Uh, tune in out. Well, just send, find me an email, Joe at midfaithcrisis.org. We'd love to have you along. Since there's a space. Uh, talking of loving to have you along. Yes. Um, we've. Uh, I've added the podcast to Spotify. I believe oh, I have anyway. Have you? Oh, you're so good, you can aren't now you? listen on Spotify. What would be the advantage of that? I don't know because I don't use Spotify, so I wouldn't know how it works. But you know, I, no, I think Spotify's I think it's great. great. What do you mean Is you it? don't use Spotify? How do you listen to music? I use CDs. Do you? Yes, I play a CD or an LP. Have you got a CD in your car? A CD player? Yeah. Because yeah. Oh. I drive an old car. <laughs> <laughs> Has it got a cassette player in it as well? No, but the last car did. <laughs> I've still got a cassette player. I played a cassette the other day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what I, good times. I, no, I've got, you know, I'm, I, I do listen to other stuff, but I've never gone into Spotify or all those okay. stuff. Really. Okay. Anyway. Fair enough. And I'm, I'm quite a relaxed, actually. I've been in, I've had a half day of prayer today. Oh, have you? Yeah. Only a half day? You can't manage a whole day nowadays. No, well, I suppose I could have done a whole day of half prayer. Oh, I see. Uh, that would have been, it would have balanced out, <laughs> or possibly you could have done. I don't know. You know, two days of quarter prayer. You could you could really spread it out over the week. Really, I think. When did it become a thing to have fractions of days of prayers? I know. We used to do half nights of prayer. Didn't we? <laughs> that's, that's really keen. What would be the advantage to praying at night? <laughs> well, I think I think it's to do with discomfort and showing God that you're serious because He's not going to answer your prayers until. You know, unless you're really uncomfortable, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, and, that's um, a good point. And so half <laughs> nights were like, well, we want to stay up a bit, but we don't want to, we don't want to push it too far. <laughs> so you know, we'll just stay up till pretty much normal time, and then we'll, then we'll go to bed. And then, and also, we don't want to keep God up for a whole night. I wouldn't have thought. I mean, you can, no, has a God no. like to rest as well. He's, <laughs> I to recall, he's so. got things to do. To be honest. <laughs> Oh, anyway. he's just nodding off, and oh no, it's another night. <laughs> it's another request. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I went to uh, I went to give a talk at the Bible Society yesterday, which was very Did good you? indeed. Yeah, you do get around, don't you? Well, I talked about the Bible, which seemed rather presumptuous to the Bible Society because oh, I kind yeah. of assumed they knew about it. Yeah. <laughs> And they are very good people. And they, oh, now, they are doing brilliant things. And I must recommend this. They do a brilliant podcast called She Too. Uh, okay. It's a limited series podcast, and it's looking at the texts of uh, terror in the Bible. So so it looks at the um, stories of uh, violence against women, mainly, oh. uh, in the Bible. And uh, they have uh, speakers from a range of faith backgrounds. Um, I think they've released about three so, first, so far. They're great. I'll put a link in there in, okay. on the website in the show notes. It, it really good podcast. Good okay, stuff. good. So that was good. So yeah. that's how to do a podcast, in other words. No, no, no. They're no, no. The quality is the same as ours, but you know, I mean, it's just, got it, well, it has got more content. I'll be it's honest. Got it's got content got proper, and it's informative. You yes, no, that is true. It's got proper <laughs> experts. <laughs> who who yeah. actually know what they're talking about and can help you. I already um, don't like it. <laughs> yeah, no. It, it might be it might be worth avoiding it from that point of view. <laughs> But there we go. Who knows? 
Fair. Yes, so that's what I've been doing. Okay. Should we get on? Shall we? Because we've had Mm. two questions in from Keith. He says, for Joe... (laughs) Yeah, no, this is good, isn't it? Uh, So he says, for Joe, I'm having trouble working out where my kids, seven and nine... I don't know whether that means seven and nine kids. Hopefully that's their ages. Uh, It might be their names. It could be. Yeah, he might be, he might have sort of like ten kids and he's numbered them. <laughs> it's much easier to number them once you get over five or six, <laughs> I imagine. Anyway, right, go on. Sorry. So the, yeah, anyway, so uh, says uh, for Joe, he says I'm having trouble working out where my kids seven and nine fit into church ours or some other ideal church, and we've been interested to know where they fit into your church cult. Mm. Uh, well, uh, the brutal truth is uh, we don't have any kids in our cult. Um, obviously, you have to be 18 to join. And, and, you know, those kids that have come along have tended to be sacrificed. On the pitch, so <laughs> we ran out. You're, um, it's yes, a good... you're not really equipped, are you, to no. do children's ministry? You've no. never been equipped to do children's ministry, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> no, not Apart really. from the fact complete... I am a big kid. Yeah, I just well, get, I just joined in. <laughs> I think I missed the point. Um, so, uh, not very helpful. No, we don't have any, any kids. I mean, you know, we just have a sort of, you know, house where we meet. And, you know, it's not the kids aren't welcome, but we happen to meet between seven and nine. So they're not likely to be around. They're likely to be in bed. Uh, but if we do a ramble on the beach, they're welcome to come. And if we go and see a kids' film, they're very welcome to come. And that's how it rolls, really. Not a very good okay. answer, but it is the truth. Mm. And so for Nick, he says, I'm very... No. Yeah, yeah, I know this is you now. He says, mm. I'm very proud of my midlife crisis and have done it in a very organised fashion. I have a <laughs> file, he says. Very I, good. He says, I think they are healthy and are a misnomer. They are not a crisis at all, but an awakening. Any tips on how I can convince my friends and family that they don't need to be worried about me and that they also can find a new, better life? Um, I think uh, he's absolutely right. So the word crisis comes from the Greek word krenain, which means a decision point, really. Mm. So uh, I don't think uh, I think we view it as a disaster. We think crisis means disaster. But it doesn't. It means it means decision point, which is good actually, considering what we're going to talk about in this um, show. Uh, so yes, I don't see why you can't have an organised midnight midlife crisis. Um, yeah. I sort of organised mine into shed building, so you know that was good. Um, and well, how, I, do you, yes, how do you convince it? people not to be worried about you? Because that is the thing, isn't it? They think you're going off the rails, or that you're less committed to the church when you stop yeah. showing up so often. And yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, do you know it's old-fashioned? I'd probably just talk to them. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if there's any way to really oh, co- just talk ridiculous. to them, explain where you are, explain what you're feeling, explain that everything's okay. Um, you know, yeah. um, don't do anything p- particularly ridiculous. It, don't dress in light because it's yeah. not good for you. You know, don't do that kind of stuff. But you know, um, and yeah, join the I, cult. I don't have any other tip <laughs> other than yeah, just good conversation, which I think can help in a huger number of cir- circumstances. Anyway, yeah. Or you might want to share your file with them, show how organised you are. That'd yeah. be good. Okay, and so now uh, an email from Nick. I, re- I actually read the first half of this out, I think, last time's mm. podcast. But here's what he said. Um, still really enjoying the podcast. Still wondering, though, he said, if there's room for an episode discussing what conversion means. What does it mean for someone to turn around and to orient their life around Jesus when you don't have the four spiritual laws? Well, it's funny he mentions the four spiritual laws, actually, because I've got an email here as well Mm. uh, from one of our correspondents. This is from um, Ethel, of course. 
And uh, she says, Dear Reverend and Mrs. Davis, I'm just writing to send you a helpful evangelistic tract produced here at the Stone the Heathen Tabernacle of Grace, Upper Ramsbottom. It's called The Four and a Half Spiritual Laws, which is basically the four spiritual laws with VAT. We produced it as part of Mission Upper Ramsbottom, which is our annual evangelistic thrust. So, Stop it. so far, so far, we've given out 743 of these tracks, and we've seen an encouraging one person show an interest in being saved. Some of us are still interested in converting people, you see. Or have you given up on that? Yours in his grip, Ethel Sad Old Person brackets misses. So. Uh, <laughs> That's a great evangelistic thrust. I miss evangelistic thrusts. We used to have them, didn't we? <laughs> we did. There was a, I worked for a brief amount of time, very brief, on the Baptist Times in the late 80s. And Tell us why people, you were fired from that job. Um, I resigned before I, oh, okay. I jumped before I was pushed. Um, and uh, they had one of their great headlines from that, that period was because uh, uh, there used to be an, a, a, an evangelist called Reinhard Bonker, as we well know. Oh, yes, we, we well, well know. know. And, and one of their headlines was Reinhard Bonker in £10 million evangelistic thrust. Happy days. If you don't find that funny, I. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> but you see, no, the interesting thing. So uh, Nick asks about conversion, and, and yeah. I think that's a great question. And our lives in Christian work began with in evangelism, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, it did. I yeah. mean, we yeah, we I began in. I I I was in a theatre company that went and did missions and all kinds of stuff, and you were an out and out evangelist. Weren't I you? was. Yeah, I trained as a church planting evangelist, and I was on the mission team. I liked nothing more than evangelistic thrust, but my hips were young then and could cope with it. <laughs> well, so what What do you think conversion meant for you then? then? Yeah, I suppose back then it, it it was essentially about getting people saved. You know, and if, if, you, if you operate with the paradigm that you're saved and they're not, you, you take on this enormous responsibility, really. That, you know, it could be down to you whether someone spends eternity in hell. So it was very much to do with, you know, securing people's life after death. Rather than, as I would think now, more to do with life before death. So, yeah, I think I think that's what it what it meant back then. What about for you? I, well, I think that I think there was a very uh, I mean, partly because we were. Um, living by faith, which was an amazing adventure, actually, a wonderful adventure. Mm. But also, you, yeah. you had lots of people supporting you. Yeah, there was also a sense of which you had to, you know, make the converts. Yeah, you know what I mean, you had to yeah. kind of um, hit the targets. Uh, yeah. But I think people were very gracious and people were very understanding. But I think, um, obviously, you know, we got involved with loads of missions. There were lots yeah. of missions going on at that time. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I I never worked out really how successful they were, or, um, really. I think there was always a, they would always reach out into some difficult communities, and we we would go and talk to these people, and then the, the, often it, we were doing youth missions, so youth would come in, and the church then really in, in, had incredible struggles coping with these people because actually the church was we were inviting them into a culture which was not theirs, and 
so I hope that that um, you know lots uh, that lots of people sort of carried on their walk with Jesus and, and carried on developing. I I know of some of them who did, but you know I think quite a lot of people fell by the wayside really. Undoubtedly, I mean it was relatively. I used to work on this thing called the Video Express Mission. I I joined. I remember that to basically do that with Steve and then to take over from Steve doing that. But uh, and you know it was relatively easy to you know, show the videos and do the bits that we did and the talks and, and get a whole load of hands to go up the end or get people to come <laughs> forward and receive a track at the end. I mean, you know, that, you know, looking back, it seems so wonderful. It's, you mm. know, it's everything we prayed for. But you look back and you think, well, there, you know, there was, there was a bit of sort of subtle manipulation going on then. It was relatively easy. That said, I have to say, I know people who are still in churches and the pastors yes, and yes. you know all kinds of things have done that but for yeah. sure the majority of people came forward that evening and then never set foot in a church again um, it used to make me laugh that because people yeah. used to you know they used to always evangelists always used to say the same thing they used to at the end of it they'd give yeah. the talk yeah and then they'd go now i'm going to ask you to do something quite difficult now i'm going to mm. ask you to raise your hand if you want to make a commitment yeah and i used to think that's not that difficult, is it? That... <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, it would be difficult. I'm going to ask you to do something quite difficult now. I'm going to ask you to learn German. That would be difficult. <laughs> that would have been. I'm going to ask you to take up juggling. That would be yeah. tricky. <laughs> yeah. Raising but, your hands know, is not difficult at all. No, right. and, and I might talk about this later because, you know, as I as I kind of moved on and I started to write about the early church, what I, what I saw there was the act of conversion. Much more demanding for them. Yeah, and certainly a lot of my work now with with persecuted Christians, the act of becoming a Christian, of making a commitment, is yeah. that is difficult. Yes, you know, if you're a Christian in Afghanistan, that is difficult. Yeah, um, you know, it's not a matter of raising your hand and walking, um, you know, up to the front and getting the prayer of blessing. That's a that's a life um, conversion. That's a real turning mm. around. So. You know, I, I think I have a different view of it now. I think we used to yeah. view it very much as an, you've moved from like one place to another, which I suppose is still true, but you, you've been saved. You know, yeah. you, it's like a switch has been switched. Whereas now I tend to think of it as a, a, a direction of movement. I think it depends which direction you're moving in. Yeah, I think that's right. And that, I think you're, starting, you're really starting to answer this question of Nick's about... What does it mean for someone to turn around and orient their life on Jesus when you don't have the four spiritual laws? Um, yeah, the, the orientation towards Jesus is is a whole lifestyle. It's mm. taking on board um, the whole teaching of Jesus, not just the theological bits about his uh, death and resurrection, but taking on the teaching, or to use the old language, his yoke. Mm. Aren't we supposed to take his yoke on? Yes. Makes, makes Jesus yes. sound a teeny bit like a chicken there, but <laughs> no, uh, no, the chickens don't wear yokes. <laughs> no, they don't wear them. A chicken no, but an egg has together. a yoke. I know it's oh, spelled differently. Oh, a yoke Come on. spelled with an L. I know, but you don't say yolk. You know, but I, you know, yokes are things that yoke oxen yes, together. So I, I always imagine that somebody's trying to plough a very tiny field with a couple <laughs> of chickens yoked together. <laughs> do that you could give it a go you could <laughs> chickens don't tend to go in a straight line they tend to go all over the place it would be tricky but anyway nightmare um, yoking we, chickens. we might have drifted off you. drifted off the point here <laughs> just a um, teeny point <laughs> yes no it is about christ likeness isn't it that's that's the thing so the word 
convert conversion it's a latin root and it yeah. means to turn around con converse you know, or something converse you go into different directions what about basically. metanoia and all that what the same that thing stuff? that's the, yeah. isn't that the same thing and be gripped no, and turned around so. you yeah know, that you go in a different direction and i, I think that's a, uh, that in that sense i always think i convert every day in a way you know people say when did you become a christian and i'd say <laughs> well well i did it again this morning that's a really helpful way of thinking about it though you know, I think at the beginning of the day, you have a choice, don't you? Which direction you're going to go in? And who am I going to move towards today? Exactly right. Exactly. I, in that sense, who am I going to be yoked with? Am I going to be yoked with Jesus or a satanic chicken? I don't know yeah. who yeah. else you'd be yoked with. But anyway. Yeah. No, it's, abs- it's absolutely right. And, and quite honestly, there's some days where I don't want to be particularly Christ-like. I'd rather not be. And I think if in this mix of conversion it's something to do with losing your life in order to find it which i assume there is that that has to me to be talking about the ego self and protecting this false identity of ours and some and and, you know that that identity doesn't shift quickly that is a lifelong process and you know there are some days when my ego is offended and rather than surrendering to christ in prayer and going, you know, it doesn't matter whether I get my own way or not, or this isn't the real issue, or, you know, mm. I don't need to be offended or hurt or upset or whatever. Uh, on those particular days, I feel a bit more entitled and like I deserve something. or And so, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not facing towards Christ mm. in those moments. I'm most mm. certainly facing away. So talking about conversion as a, a one-off experience, I think, doesn't really get it. Talking about converting on a daily basis, I find it far more helpful language. And also the the language of discipleship, which I think we've we've critiqued sort of 20th century stadium evangelism before. You know, the whole language of conversion and the utter lack of talk about discipleship, I think just sort of goes to... Um, you know highlight this point it's not just about crossing a line jesus wasn't here to bring us life after death he was coming to bring us life before death and in order to engage in that life we would need to take on the life of christ and integrate that into our own lives and that i think is the invitation of jesus yeah i think that's that's great i think the other thing is that you there's been a sort of emphasis in the church on seeing who's saved and who isn't who's converted who hasn't a lot of the language that Jesus uses is that we might get quite surprised at who's who's a Christian and who isn't. You know, um, that there are those who say, yeah. Lord, Lord, and he'd say, well, I never knew you. Exactly. Those are disturbing passages. And I think about that. It's funny. It's funny. I went to see, um, I should have mentioned this earlier, I went to see Brian Cox, did, Professor Brian you? Cox oh, last yeah. night. Again absolutely fantastic i mean it really was it was awe-inspiring i mean i can't pretend i understood much of it uh he did a 10 minute intro to the law of relativity uh and various other things or he attempted to explain it but you know i don't put many posts up on facebook nowadays but i did put up great night out and blah 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 it was a sunset and i saw brian cox and someone and you know people said wow brian cox fantastic love it and then someone right at the end of the stream said yeah he's an atheist sadly and like that was their comment. So I'd spent this evening of awe and wonder and with a guy who's just passionate about sharing his 
knowledge that he has so far and he does it quite humbly actually of the universe and its origins someone who's passionate about the earth and how we should care for this beautiful planet Mm. but sadly he's an atheist so it was quite dismissive like well what's he got to say really if you're an atheist and it it reminded me of that parable in matthew's gospel about the man who had two sons and one of them you know, he asked them to go and work in the vineyard and one of them says, yeah, sure. And the other one says, no. And the one who says, yes, doesn't. And the one who says, no, does. And it sort of um, makes the point, well, who's done the best thing there? And so, so I'm thinking, here's a guy who's promoting awe and wonder and care for the planet and for one another. And there's someone else who's sort of perhaps doesn't promote any of those things, but has, has said the right prayer. And it's like, well, shame. I just don't think that things can work like that. I just, you know, it seems ridiculous to me. And I actually wondered how much it bothers the divine that someone is an atheist. If they are caring and looking after the planet and loving people and actually doing the things of Jesus without naming that's what they're doing. I'm glad it's not up to me to sort it out. I think that's the key thing. I don't really, you know, I don't know. I think that, I suppose the thing I would say is, look, I still think I have a a duty and I have a desire to tell people about Jesus. There's a task that I've got, which is to to, to talk about my faith as as best I can, to explain my faith as best I can, to live my faith as best I can, and to Mm. sort of, um, Mm. and to try and introduce people to Jesus, as it were. I think that's really what I'm trying to do. So I I, I think when people say, well, so-and-so is an atheist, I don't really know why they're saying mm. that but i would still want to make sure that we were having some kind of conversation or that there's still that relationship there i think that's the problem that you can just shut yourself off from people uh sure so well mm. you're the historian here so what what did conversion mean for the early church i, I, I yeah. started to talk well, about it but wait, do you well, want to say any more about one it? of the things that really challenged my thinking on it um ages ago which is that i discovered how difficult it was so we were, we were in the, mm. we were just talking at the beginning about this sort of eighties and much earlier kind of idea of missions, you know, and people mm. make a commitment, stick their hand up, they come to the front, and they become a Christian. Mm. You know, in the first few centuries mm. of the church, that was absolutely impossible, mainly because the public proclamation of Christianity was not allowed very often, and it was it was a kind of risky thing. So the idea that people would just walk into your church and become Christians is that's just not going to happen mm. before um, you know three hundred and fifteen yeah. AD, really. Let's say you want to become a Christian. You're interested in my faith. You know that I'm a Christian. I haven't really said much to you yeah. about it. But you, you, and then I say, you say, I'd like to find out more. So I'd say to you, okay, well, I will take you. So I would have to take you. You'd have to go. I'd have to vouch for you. So I'd take you to my church leader, uh, yeah. whoever he is, in a small local church, in a, not in a building, you know, not in a church building, none, none of those things. Mm. And then you basically have an interview as to whether you, you were appropriate, whether you were serious. And and it would it would talk about your job, because if you had certain jobs, you couldn't be a Christian. So you couldn't be a Christian if you were a soldier. You couldn't be a Christian if you were a magistrate. You couldn't be a Christian if you were a sculptor of idols, or actually, some, in some lists say teacher, which I think they, the reason is because you would teach Greek myths. So you couldn't be, you'd have to change your job. Yeah. You couldn't have anything to do with the, the, the glad, gladiator fighting right. or those kind of, you know, nothing to do with death of those kinds. Yeah. You, so that's the first commitment. Yeah. If you never mind sticking a hand up, you've got to change yeah, your job. Sure. Then yeah. you come to me and I have to go with you for a, basically lessons in being like Christ and what it's about. 
And you have those yeah. for anything up to two years. And what they're looking for is proof of Christ-likeness in your life. So they actually start to look at, are yeah. you serving the poor? Are you, you know, sharing your food? Are you, are you living yeah. it out? And when you've and done that criteria, yeah. then there'll, there'll, there'll be an intense period of, of teaching a sort of few weeks, and then you would have your baptism. And your baptism was a big event, a big important event. It was mm. highly symbolic, highly rich. You would... Mm. I mean, it only occurred to me, funnily enough, the other day reading about it, was you would go into the baptistry or wherever it was happening, you would take all your clothes off, and I think that's something we could perhaps reintroduce. Uh, you know, it's just a thought. Yeah, absolutely. Not just a baptism, yeah. <laughs> but any time. <laughs> you know, take, and you'd go down into the water, <laughs> you'd come up out of the water, you'd be given a new set of clothes yeah. because you were a new person. Yeah. You'd be given uh, yeah. food like milk and honey to indicate you moved into a new place. And and you'd be anointed, and I, it suddenly occurred to me that, you know, the word the Greek word for anointing is is Christos, which is the same as Christ. Christ means you yeah. are literally yeah. acting out becoming Christ, becoming a resurrected Christ by that. Yeah. Your garments are taken off you. You go down into the death yeah. of the water. You come up. You're given new garments. You're anointed. Yeah. Figuratively, you are becoming Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's for yeah. me is is so powerful, and I I don't know of anything that we do that really st still encapsulates that. And I think it's something that maybe we should um, think about as a church. How do you make these significant events? Because I believe, you see, I think there is something important about that moment yeah. when you say, "I am going to follow Jesus." Yeah. I think that is quite a significant moment. Well, you're setting your intention. I mean, it's back to that yeah. direction. It's a bit then, like you know, it's the moment of commitment. It's like when you say to, will you marry me you know it's, there's a very important significant moment in your life and i i yeah. i think there is something special about that that was a very important moment I, for me you know you and i mean it Thank joe um, <laughs> i think it's time to formalize this relationship i it's a very important <laughs> thing and and so i still believe in that but i think actually what we tended to do was in back in the day was we we actually took all that away we turned it not into something very important and ritualistic and, and life-changing and significant and uh, beautiful, mm. but but something actually they could do just by sticking your hand up because you just had to change your beliefs. You didn't have to yeah. do anything else. So, so bringing this all the way back home, so that's what it meant, well, for the first mm. 300 years, let's say, because we know the Grot set in with Constantine and all the rest of it. So uh, it's 21st century. Here we are. In the age mm. of Trump and Brexit, what what's the evangelistic message? What's the call? What to what are we asking people right. to convert, or aren't we? My belief is that following Jesus is the best way to live. That's what I think it's yeah. all about. It is life in all its fullness, really. And that's why I believe in, um, you know, in, in being a Christian. That's why I'm a Christian. I think that's what Jesus came to say, yeah. came to bring us. Yes, forgiveness. All that is really important. Forgiveness, yeah. grace, love, but fullness of life. So I actually think that um, churches should be promising, that churches should, should be saying that following Jesus is the best way yeah. to live. That's why I still talk about Jesus to people, because I think it can turn your yeah. life around. It can. That's yeah. conversion. Yeah. It can. It can make your life qualitatively different following Jesus. 
Yeah. I think there's two things going on here. One, I do have question marks, obviously, theologically about conversion and, and, and what we used to believe by it. I don't want to throw the baby out of the bathwater, but I think if you're asking someone to take an interest in Jesus, they've got to be able to look at your life and see what the difference is. And they've got to want what you've got. If you try and tell people about Jesus without them wanting what you've got, I think you're on a highway to nothing. Um, I also think, I mean, to quote uh, what a friend was saying to me about the... Um, the Indian mission they visited, the founder always said, you cannot tell anyone God loves them unless you love them. Mm. So if you don't love them, please do not tell them God loves them. And that's a, that's a very challenging message, I think, but it brings home the authenticity of the thing. And people smell, you know, BS, don't they? They know when something's real or not. And I, I sort of think it's that, to misquote... Um, St. Francis, as he often has been, preach at all times and only when necessary use words. Now, I know that that particular quote is open to debate, but it's a good one nonetheless, isn't it? That actually it's our lives that should be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. It's our lives and our lifestyles and our joy and our love and the way we handle suffering and the way we give. And which I thought was one of the big hallmarks of the early church as well. It's like, you know, these guys mm, won't mm, stop giving. Mm even to their own detriment. It's like their love is so powerful um, for the community. And I think until we really recover that thing, I, I sometimes wonder whether we've got any right to speak about the need for conversion. So I think that's kind of made me a little bit shy of it in some ways. I also think that to go back to what you were saying earlier about conversion and converting in a daily way is far more helpful language. The call is is not so much a call to a, a, a theological ascent so much as it is to a call to the wholesale following of Jesus and embracing the life of Jesus, which is life in all its fullness. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd say out that is I think so. You said, well, you know, until we've done this, should we have do we have a right to sort of talk on it? I feel that exactly, and I but I don't think often we're the best judges. We are we are not very good judges. I don't think of how no. Christ-like we're being because we see all the inner workings out. You know, we we see all the back the yeah, backstage sure. activity. Yeah. And so yeah, sure. I, I think I'm going to talk about it anyway. And and yes, I, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, I can't remember. There's a passage in the Bible that's amazing in one of Paul's letters about how we become a letter from Christ. We, you know, we must become the text. Yeah. Um, if I can remember, I'll stick it in the the, the show notes. But it's mm. it's a remarkable thing. We become the good news to people. We become the message. Well, that absolutely makes sense to me. And I think that it's it's often we we don't think we're doing a very good job, but we're probably doing a better job than we think if we are genuinely trying to move in that direction. I think. So I wouldn't give up, and mm. and uh, I know you haven't. I know you haven't. Yeah, given up, but, no, but that, that that's a good point, well made. I just think that you know I'm never going to be qualified enough to talk properly about Jesus, but I might as well carry on. No, you're you're absolutely right. The number of times I have gone to the smallest inconvenience to show a bit of care for someone, and it really has been no skin off my nose whatsoever. Yet to them, yeah. it was a massive thing, a massive thing that. You know, on, sometimes I'm tempted to say change their lives. Small acts of kindness 
actually do have vast impacts on people's lives. And perhaps that's where there's hope for us in the gospel. Because like you say, we, we know what failures we are as Christians and how we purport to be followers of Jesus, but we know the misery of our own lives. But actually, the little we take to God by grace yeah. is used and magnified, I think. And I, I can certainly tell the tales of that time and time again. So we ought to round up. I suppose, I think if there's a, been a theme here, it's been... But I was just thinking back to my answer to Keith about his mid midlife crisis. Mm. You know, the the importance yeah. of just talking to people about what where you are, what mm. you believe honestly, yeah, and not being ashamed of it, not really have to hide it, and um, not overinflating it, not overinflating it, just being as honest yeah. as you can. I think I think people will respond yeah. to that. Um, yeah. Anyway, good. Um, so uh, yeah, we should we should round this up. Thank you very much for listening. And thanks for journeying with us. And, you know, we feel like you're our friend. I know we keep saying this, but we do feel like you're our friends. Mm. And uh, thank you for writing into us. And if you haven't written in, but you'd like to, uh, write to joe at midfaithcrisis.org. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. We'll see you um, in a couple of weeks or who knows when. Yeah, who knows when. Bye. Bye.